This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we have packed a few different shows together that we call Highlights to help you to get the most bang for your time and educating you on the topics that you want to learn from. We would love to hear from you. I am grateful that you are with us today. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Joyce Walder. Thanks for being on the show this morning, Joyce. Thank you, Whitney. Excited to be here. Honored to have you on, Joyce, and her husband, Bob, are part of a three-family partnership that formed B3 Investments out of Austin, Texas, and are diversifying their investments into mobile home park investing from only multifamily. Joyce also has a background in legal banking and then landed in dental hygiene for 15-plus years. She left industry in 2019 to join Bob in B3. She is also a personal student of Brad Somrock and attended the BHU Boot Camp. Joyce, welcome to the show. It's interesting, just your background. You're obviously someone of just high achievements. I mean, you've made a lot of yeah, a lot of success in different things, and now even leaving those things to be a part of of this business obviously shows that you believe that there's a big future in in this business. Uh, you know, and in your investing business, it's also interesting that the three families you know join to create this partnership. You don't see that too often. But uh, welcome to the show. Give us a little, maybe give us a minute or two about that transition from you know a successful career moving into real estate investing. Right. Like you said, I've done a lot of different things. Landed in dental hygiene, which is very much a people business. And Bob had been doing the multifamily for several years and wanted to get me transitioned into that. And couldn't quite find a role for me there because he had already been in it. I wasn't understanding a lot of it from his perspective. So we found the Mobile Home University Boot Camp and we attended that. We met our partners through that connection. And it was just such an easy transition for me to come into the mobile home parks. It was new for all of us. So a much easier transition for me. And what I learned very quickly, it's very much a people business, which I enjoy very much. And I've gotten so much out of it. It just, it's super fun to me and getting to know the communities that we go into is just incredible. I really enjoy it. You've been working on those people skills for what, 15, 20 years, right? You know, you, as you talked about in that business, uh, no doubt it's a people business, you know, that you were already in. No matter how good you were at that craft, the people skills are probably more important, would you say? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And and that's the role I have definitely fallen into with the mobile home parks is I am the transition person. I'm the one that goes in and builds that sense of community. Even amongst the residents, you know, there's a lot of talk about the owners shouldn't communicate with the residents. We, you hear that a lot. And I have to disagree with that. I have found it to be very rewarding unless you ask your residents what is needed, you won't know. And your manager can only do so much. So that's that's a very important part for me. That's awesome. Well, let's just jump into there quickly. And you are the operations transition expert on your all's team. Why don't you walk us through an example? And I would love to talk about some of those things you just mentioned too, like communicating with the residents as an owner. I think that's a that's a big thing that like most of us have this like shield up, right? We're, we're trying not to, we think we can never do that or we're just not supposed to, right? You're just not supposed to do that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts behind that as well. But is there an example, you know, recently, maybe we could talk about a specific park or you could walk us through some crucial steps when we're thinking about that transition, you know, as you all purchase a mobile home park. Absolutely. We actually have fallen into a great process 
not by planning, but by learning like everyone else. And our partner, Bill, is usually the one that goes out to the community first and decides, yes, we want it or no, we'll pass. Once that deal closes, Bob and I go out and again, walk the property. And that's when people in the community notice, okay, what's going on? And they will come out. They want to know, who are you? What's going on? And I had to convince our partners that it was okay for me to take that role as owner. And it took a lot of convincing because of, yes, everything we've learned that, no, you don't do that. And once we did that in a park in the first one we did that with was our park in Iowa and Bob and I literally walked around the community, took pictures of every home. And I can't tell you how many residents we met. They came out because they want to know who you are. And I was not afraid to tell them, you know, we've purchased the community in your opinion, what's great about the community, what's missing about the community, what can we do? And I always try to preface that with, I can't promise you I'm going to solve that issue in the way you want it solved, but I can promise you I will acknowledge that it is an issue for you and try to find something that works for everybody. I think that's so neat that you say that right there. It's so important. Acknowledge that you you recognize their problem. We may not be able to fix it right away, but I understand and we're going to Keep that in mind at least. I will add it to my list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So tell me, was there any prep work done as far as with the residents so they knew that like the potential new owner was coming? Or I would just imagine, I'm just picturing me walking around the mobile home park and, you know, did they even know who you all were? It was just obvious, hey, these these people are not normally here. What we have found is they absolutely have no clue. They have no clue this transition is happening until they see a car full of people pull up. And in our case, it's, again, three families. So there's quite a few of us that go. And of course, usually our broker is with us. And you start walking the park and you've got, I'm an old-fashioned take notes on pen and paper. They see somebody out there with a clipboard and somebody's taking pictures They get very curious. So what we have found is no, residents typically do not have a clue that this transition is happening. And people don't like change. I I tell everybody, it's taken me 51 years to figure out people do not like change. So I try to go into a community understanding that the residents get very scared. They don't know what's going to happen some of them, as we all know, have lived in mobile that mobile home for years, and they're afraid of those changes. So I do try to let them know we're here to help. And as I mentioned earlier to you, our big goal, we want to provide safe, clean, affordable housing options. As we know, that's such a big deal in our country right now. I would imagine that if somebody's lived there for 10, 20 years or longer, they've gone through a few potential ownership changes sometimes. Sometimes maybe it's been the same person for 30 years, you know, with these parks, depending on the maybe the park that you're buying. But maybe some have, have been through some bad transitions, right, you know, of ownerships. You mentioned like letting them know you're here to help. How do you, have you done that? Again, by acknowledging, you know, tell me what do you enjoy about your community? What do you wish was different about your community? And it's it can be silly things to a resident. You know, I'm I'm tired of driving through the potholes. I'm tired of our mailbox area not being covered. It can be really little things, but I found if you just listen to them, and again, I always I never overpromise. I let them know I will add that to my list, 
And if we can budget that in to improve some of these things for you, that's absolutely what we want to do. Is that done when you're walking around that first time or is that? Absolutely. When they come out and start wondering, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? The funny thing is there, why are you taking pictures of my home? And it's very interesting, again, that fear. We've had so many people, is my home okay? Are you going to kick us out? They get very scared. And that's heartbreaking to me because, again, that's not our goal when we go into a community. We really do want to improve it. And to your point of a few minutes earlier, what you said, we have found the mobile home parks we have acquired so far have literally been the mom and pop have owned them forever. So they actually have not gone through a bad transition. This sometimes is the first one. And that could be very scary. Yes. But as we all know, a lot of times in those communities, you know, we got a good deal on them because there's a lot wrong with them. And so the residents do have a lot of concerns and they do have a lot of wants and needs. How did you find the majority of them? We actually, at this point, we've put together such a wonderful team. We literally have someone on our team that is our acquisitions person. And that is all he does all day long is analyze, underwrite deals all over the country. And if the deal works, we go for it. Nice. No, that's awesome when you get to that scale and you can have somebody just just dedicated to that. Well, let's dive into that transition a little more. Any other pieces to making that a successful transition? Yes. One other thing that we have discovered that we have not heard anyone talk about is developing a relationship with the community. And when I say that, I mean local law enforcement, chamber of commerce, use the local companies. We even in Iowa use the local print shop we to get the leases printed because we want to let people know we are there. I have really taken time to go and meet with the chief of police, the fire department, once we acquire a property that is on my list when I go visit and let them know. If you see anything going on in our community, you let me know what I need to do. As we all know, mobile home parks, the private property is a big issue. What I have found is I need to give local law enforcement my permission to access and enter my property 24-7. They have my cell phone number, and they know they can call me at any time if something's going on. Well, that's an interesting thought. You just assume they can kind of go anywhere they want, right? (laughs) You know, you don't think about them like thinking, well, I can't just drive up through there, you know, and and actually going and saying, hey, you know, hello, you know, we welcome you to come do this. Right. And that's what we have found has been so beneficial. As we all know, mobile home parks can have a not so great reputation for things that can go on in the mobile home parks. And I have just found it to be so beneficial to communicate with the local chief of police. I send him an email once a month at least, and we communicate probably a lot more often than that. And that has served us so well by taking some steps to get rid of some less desirables in the community because that happens too. Sometimes when you go in, you do want to have a turnover a little bit. Yeah, that's a great point. I wanted to ask you about your communication with law enforcement or the fire department, things like that. You mentioned, like you said, like once a month, you all are communicating? At least that. I usually get an email from him. If there's anything that goes on in the community, 
and my manager has to call the police or if another resident calls the police, I will get a phone call or an email from the chief and say, hey, wanted to let you know we had to go out to the community. He'll tell me what lot number. He'll tell me their names. And he we just have very open communication. And it residents love that, again, to provide that safe environment. I want them to know that law enforcement is welcome out there. Are you ready to take the next step in your multifamily investing career? The time has never been better than now. Think Multifamily's Deal Analysis Workshop is a comprehensive live training course that will help increase your skills, knowledge, confidence as an investor before you invest. This workshop is a unique experience that provides hands-on instruction and guidance directly from Mark Kinney, who has completed over 100 multifamily syndications valued at over $1 billion. This course goes beyond theory as you will be presented with real case studies and practice scenarios to work out in class. By the end of the training, you will have significantly improved your ability to evaluate deals quickly, make informed decisions, and take your investing skills to the next level with confidence. For more information and to register for Think Multifamily's Deal Analysis Workshop, go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash D-A-W, use code Whitney100 to save $100. The Deal Analysis Workshop is designed for both beginner and experienced investors. Whether you are looking for a foundational understanding of how to analyze multifamily investments or looking for fresh insight on how to pivot your analysis method, for this current market cycle, this is a workshop you have been looking for. Register today at thinkmultifamily.com forward slash DAW. Use code Whitney100 to save $100. Our guest is Samit Makajani. Thanks for being on the show, Samit. Hey, Whitney. Nice to, nice to talk to you on this podcast. Thank you. Glad to have you on the show. Samit had shared that he's been listening to the show for quite some time. It's interesting. I was, I was telling him, I'm hearing more and more people who have been guests recently who have been listening for a long time and just doing big things in this industry. It's a pleasure to have you on, Samit. He was born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee and became a plastic surgeon before starting in commercial real estate as a passive investor. He then transitioned to active investing about five years ago, all while working full-time. He and his partner founded East Living Communities to acquire and operate mobile home parks. Samit, welcome to the show. Give the listeners a little more about who you are and, you know, maybe like why mobile home parks. Yeah, thank you, Whitney. Appreciate it. Yes, I was born in Tennessee, went to college in Omaha, Nebraska at Creighton University, and that'll kind of come back into the story later on. But yeah, went to medical school, University of Tennessee, back at my state school, and then finished a six-year plastic surgery residency in Albany, New York, and currently live in Cooperstown, New York. So folks might have known about Cooperstown through the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's kind of our claim to fame. But we actually, uh, there are people who live here full-time, and I'm one of them, about 2,000 full-time residents, so a little small area. But yeah, I, I got into past investing first. I knew some other doctors who told me that, you know, passive investing may be an option for me. And so I looked into that, actually uh, hooked up with a multifamily syndicator out of Indianapolis, actually heard him on a podcast, thought he was real reasonable and seemed like an honest, straightforward guy based on his conversation. So I called him up, we had a conversation and invested, you know, very quickly thereafter, probably learned a few things, you know, probably shouldn't just jump into a syndication with the first person you talk to, but that's kind of what I did. And then started, you know, as a passive investor, really liked what I was 
seeing through that in terms of income and the experience and the financials and learning kind of about multifamily syndication. And so I thought I was going to become a multifamily operator myself. That was kind of my dream and intention. So I actually went back to school. I guess I just love being in student debt. As I tell people, went back into school and got a master's in real estate because I thought, you know, I loved education, loved learning, but didn't have a lot of experience in commercial real estate. So I wanted to get a degree to maybe make myself more confident, but also to provide a confidence to investors if I ever approached them for money. At least they knew I had invested a lot of time and energy into this. So I went back to school, took about two years to get my master's degree. This is after being a plastic surgeon, is that right? Oh, yeah. While I was working full time, went back into yeah. school, did that kind of part time online, you know, and finished that in about two years and thought, well, I'm going to be a multifamily developer. That was kind of what my degree was kind of leading me towards. And so actually, I met my partner, you know, like seven or eight years ago, we both had been interested in real estate. And so that kind of led to us starting a multifamily development in Omaha, because we knew the area, knew the market, knew some developers also in the area. And so just should have a 96 unit apartment development completed here in September, October of this year. It's kind of been a four or five year process, start to finish. And so that was kind of my intention was to be a multifamily developer. But along the way, my partner... VJ, who I owe a lot of credit to for, you know, carrying me along in this journey, was really interested in mobile home parks. He'd kind of been interested in it for about 10 years and said to me, you know, we should really look into mobile home park investing. He's kind of did a a boot camp with a well-known mentor and said, let's get into mobile home parks. I kind of looked at it myself. I really had no, no idea about mobile home parks, but really liked the business, liked the tenant base, thought it was really, really smart. So we started Easy Living Communities and we've been in the mobile home park space for about eight months now. We bought four parks in eight months and all through the Midwest primarily and just looking to expand our business. So interesting. I mean, not only had you been to school for how many years as a, you know, to become a surgeon, right? Yeah, college, medical school, and then six years of training, yeah. Give me just a couple things around, I mean, like you're a surgeon, now you're working full-time, probably some pretty hard hours there, but it's like, you know what, you want to get into real estate, you want to have that degree so you can show some credibility, you know, to investors and just in this industry. You know, how did you manage that? Give us a couple tips around that before we move on around, you know, managing that type of career plus going back to school. I'm sure you received some criticism from probably family and friends. And what are you thinking? You know, you spent all this time and money over here to, you know, for this career. And now you're going to go do this real estate thing. What was some of that like and how did you manage that? Yeah, so managing it was, I think I've always been good at time management. Uh, When you're in medical school and and you're training and you're working ridiculous hours, but I kind of like the grind and and enjoy the hustle. So to me, it wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. Actually working one job, you know, finally when I became an attending and and just having more of a regular schedule kind of in some ways seemed a little boring to me. So I wanted to kind of maybe add a little bit more to my life. And so that's why I decided school was you know, an an option for me. Basically, I'd work, you know, all day. And then I was taking two to three classes a semester online. And so my evenings and weekends were were tied up. When I wasn't working at the hospital, I was was educating myself in my classes and going through that process. Go ahead. I was gonna say a lot of people, you know, did question it. I wondered kind of what I was up to. But I, you know, to me, I, 
I wanted to get that credibility. I wanted to educate myself. I love education. I mean, I tell people if I could be a full-time student for my whole life, I probably would have done that. If I could have afforded, <laughs> afforded to stay in school forever, I would have done it. But, you know, I really wanted to just get more knowledgeable on the subject and feel more confident when I went to investors. And was your goal to go full-time in real estate or are you still a surgeon today and do you plan to continue? Yeah, I've been a full-time surgeon up to actually January of this year. I went part-time, about half-time. And so my partner, Vijay, he's an attorney. He's actually full-time in our business. He left his law practice and I'm down to half-time. And I don't know if I'll ever quit per se, but I kind of love the balance that I have now. You know, I work basically two weeks straight as a doctor and then I have two weeks off uh, to work in our real estate business full-time. So that's kind of our balance that we have now and I really enjoy it. Yeah, it just shows a mass level of commitment, though, you know, to this career that you had, you worked so hard for, but then to say, you know what, this could be a great thing, you know, this real estate business over here, I just want the listener to hear that, you know, it's a mass sacrifice there, and for, it sounds like for your business partner as well, you know, I mean, having a practice or a law practice and, and giving that up to go into this full time. And so tell me, though, you know, you all then closed on, what would you say, four parks in the last, in six or eight months? Um, tell me some tips, though, that allowed you all to get that kind of momentum momentum right from the beginning well we kind of i think you know part of this business is is luck and timing i mean i really believe that but also we we had developed relationships my partner vj had a good relationship with a broker in omaha that we knew and our broker really had never sold a mobile home park in 30 years of commercial real estate but when we approached him about buying a mobile home park, he said, well, you know, I just happen to have a, a listing that has come to me. And, you know, would you guys be interested? And we said, you know, perfect timing. Let's, you know, let's look into it. And that really led to our first purchase. And the appraiser on that deal hooked us up with a foreclosure park. So he kind of connected us to that one. And then we had known a broker in another market through multifamily that we had been looking for, you know, at that time. and. He had a park on the off market that he kind of presented to us. So that was our third one. And then the original broker in Omaha brought us a fourth park since he was had, had another connection. So it was just kind of timing. One thing led to another. We feel really fortunate that we were kind of at the right place at the right time. But I always tell people it's you kind of got to be in the game to be in the game. So it, it really was just you've got to just kind of be out there, putting yourself out there, talking to folks, connecting with people to really kind of get into a lucky situation. You have to be in the game to be in the game. But, you know, it's interesting. You talk about relationships and it's so crucial. And people always ask even about this podcast, that's doing a daily show, all those things and say, well, you know what? I'm getting to develop, you know, 30 plus new relationships, you know, every month. So think about that, you know, it doesn't come without a lot of hard work, but it's so worthwhile because of these relationships. And so, you you know, you had a broker relationship that led to a deal, then the appraiser led, you know, to another connection to a deal. I mean, and it just snowballed. But tell me, you know, three of those were, I believe, or correct me if I'm wrong, were syndicated. You know, how did you know how to syndicate? How did you learn that process? I mean, it's not extremely complicated, but there are some things that can be overwhelming if you don't, you know, just know a few things or have somebody to guide you through that process the first time or two. How did you all get into the syndication business? Well, I educated myself, you know, about syndication just through books and podcasts and things like that. But I think I had mentioned before, my first involvement in investing in commercial real estate was as a LP or passive investor 
with a multifamily syndicate. So I had kind of been on the other end of the syndication process as a pure investor, limited partner. And so I had seen, you know, the PPMs, the operating agreements, the documents. I had seen kind of the the way we had spoken when I first connected with my original syndicator. And so I learned kind of through that experience quite a bit. And when it came time to syndicate, of course, I kind of knew the general process, but obviously got a syndication attorney on board very early who, again, walked us through the process. So it was a combination of my own experience and then reaching out to others who had more experience. Okay. Still relationships, sounds like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Exactly. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 